Good afternoon and welcome back to the COVID Reboot Series brought to you by the Cape Town Fashion Council. I'm your host, Colin Donsko. Uh, on today's episode, we're zooming in on trends and business strategy. And again, this is part of the Cape Town, or Fa- Cape Town Fashion Council's mandate to pioneer the growth and the development of the uh, local fashion economy. On today's show, we're very privileged to have uh, Bronwyn Williams, a partner at Flux Friends. Bronwyn, good afternoon and welcome. Good afternoon. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, thank you very much, Bronwyn. Uh, with this series, we are zooming in, or we've invited uh, industry experts and leaders to talk on uh, some of the most, uh, you know, uh, most important aspects of moving the economy forward uh, post the current situation that we find ourselves in. But first and foremost, Bronwyn, uh, let's talk about uh, new trends that we're seeing that's redefining the business landscape. Okay, so I think probably the most important trend that we've noticed this year is this trend towards what we're calling business empathy. And this is where companies are engaging in acts of kindness that go above and beyond the mere transactory relationship that people normally have between a business and a consumer. So we're seeing everything from big banks offering loan forbearance all the way down to tiny mom and pop sized swimwear brands opening up their customer care lines and converting them when they were no longer allowed to trade due to lockdowns into counseling rounds. So free coming services for open to the public who might have issues with mental health and wellness and anxiety and stress in these difficult times. Well, why is it it important for SME owners to, to take note of this trend? Because obviously we still want to engage our consumers, but why is this important? Well, I think particularly if you're a smaller business, it can be very expensive right now. I mean, you have all your operating costs are still running, but obviously none of your revenue is coming in. So there has to be something else that you can do. So Mm -hmm. you can feel sorry for yourself and curl up into a little ball, or you can decide to invest in the future, which is something we always recommend all businesses do. And this business empathy or kind capitalism trend is a perfect way to do exactly that. By investing in goodwill now, you're investing in building your brand for the future. Mm, Not only are you investing in your future brand that you can be able to reap those benefits in the future, you're also really protecting yourself against consumer backlash. So if you are fortunate enough to still be trading during lockdown and during social distancing periods, you have to be aware that you're being watched. You're being watched by your consumers and you're being watched by people who are not even your consumers. The media has become probably the most important estate. As we're saying, it's gone from being the fourth estate to being really the first estate. Absolutely. The media has led the path through this crisis. That means you have to be on the right side of the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. I mean, consumers and employees both are getting so almost militant against brands and businesses that they feel have been behaving badly or acting crassly or purely capitalistically on the crisis to the point where you've got employees leading protests against their employers and you've got customers setting up petitions online, blacklisting businesses for behaving badly towards their customers, their competitors, their communities or their staff members. Oh, absolutely. As one who analyzes and, and, and studies uh, trends, uh, uh, Bronwyn, what is, in your prediction, what is life and business after COVID-19 look like? Well, it's a bit of the same. It's a bit of the same and it's a bit of the new. What we really 
encouraging people to understand is that crises like this don't change the world overnight, although they feel like they do. We're still the same people. We have the same relationships, the same desires. We have the same systems and structures around us. Yeah. But what crises do do is they accelerate the future. Mm-hmm. So they fast track and they magnify a lot of the bigger underlying trends going on across society. And they bring a lot of our dirty laundry, Absolutely. so to speak, to the surface. <laughs> and they force us reckon with all those underlying fishes and cracks and i think if we just put on the news open the social media feed you'll know exactly what i'm talking about mm-hmm. absolutely you mentioned the future let's talk about it that what what is the future of finding and creating value uh, uh, uh look like how does one i mean uh, what we've been talking about on this on the series is that many businesses are having to restructure their business now uh, find out what works and what's going to work in the future but finding and creating value in the future what what does that look like Well, very simply, and I know it can probably sound like it's too simple, but the most yeah. valuable piece of advice I can give would be to focus on adding value to your community rather than extracting value from your community. Mm-hmm. So yes, it does sound quite trite, but yeah. when you start considering that as yourself, as an employee, as Absolutely. a business, even as an industry, you need to take a good hard look at yourself and see whether in the value chain you are a value extractor mm-hmm. like a middleman that's Absolutely. extracting rents and tolls and taking value out of the system mm-hmm. or are you a value creator do you build do you make and that could be a physical thing or a connection a relationship mm-hmm. are you adding value and the businesses industries individual roles that are adding value are definitely the ones that are going to succeed in the future and they're very practical reasons for saying this this is not just sort of wishy-washy sort of yeah. philosophical preach that I'm giving yeah. you but it's very much a case of as economic times become tougher yeah. consumers are looking very carefully at their budgets they are going to be cutting down on wasteful conspicuous consumption not necessarily because their preference of change it but because their pockets have changed their people have, have changed. to adjust to that new normal mm-hmm. and where they're going to be looking they're going to be looking for things that do add value things that they cannot live without at the same time you've got other pressures coming for value extractors in the form of new startups and in the form of automation yeah. if you are a business that is involved in a middleman type industry that's speaking now to like the travel industry mm-hmm. to the advertising industry to the media industry we know all these case studies yeah. any industry that is built around being a middleman that extracts value from the buy and sell side of the market is ripe for disruption it's one of the oldest business adages that says you know your competitor's margin is your opportunity so if mm-hmm. you're taking more than your fair share of the margin someone's going to come and take it from you so it's very practical to think about how to add value rather Absolutely. than take value Absolutely. The third angle there in terms of making sure that you are adding and not subtracting value and that's the automation question. So automation has been a trend it's been in play for quite a long time and we've got the very big studies like the Accenture one that is shown that in South Africa something like up to sort of 1 in 3 South African jobs could be at risk of being replaced by automation and that sounds very scary. We've got to understand we're talking about automating tasks not automating yeah. jobs or people per se. but the tasks and the roles that are being automated are cost center functions in any industry in any business 
any way you look, it's the cost centers that are being automated, not the value uh -huh. centers. So if Absolutely. you want to secure your place in the future, build the value. And I'm going to give very clear examples on that. If you are a bookkeeper in a company, you are a cost center to that company. Even if you do a very good job at bookkeeping, nobody wakes up and says, I really need more bookkeeper. You only do it because you have to. Mm -hmm. So if that is a grudge purchase, that is a cost center. However, if you are a salesperson or if you are a designer in a business, you are the value system. You mm -hmm. are the product that is being sold or you are selling the product. Those roles are much, much safer going forward. And you can apply that same thinking, not just to jobs, but also to businesses. Mm -hmm. Is your business adding value and to your whole entire industry? And we know some entire industries are going to disappear in the next few years. Absolutely. And, and we're hearing this and that's the prediction that many are making. Now we've spoken to the middleman, we've spoken to the consumer, uh, but let's zoom in on the small business owner within the fashion um, industry for just a second, uh, uh, Bronwyn. What are some of the grand challenges that we're seeing now and, and how can these fashion um, SME owners overcome these challenges in the, in the short term? Okay, well, I'll speak to one trend that's both a problem and a solution wrapped up in and of itself. Yeah. And that would be what's happening with global supply chains. So if you do work in the fashion industry in particular, I know that a lot of our supply chain are very distributed globally. Yes. A lot of our parts, a lot of our manufacturing is done offshore. And those pipelines have been particularly affected by COVID, by lockdowns, by the fact that there's mm -hmm. important export restrictions, by the fact that China was pretty much closed for business for a yes. good few months. few months. And that's really the pipeline of a lot of the global manufacturing economy. And what we found with globalized supply chains is a trade-off. There's a trade-off between efficiency on the one hand of globalization that allows us to sort of optimize our tasks mm -hmm. and focus on economies of scale and that division yeah. of labor and all those good efficiency things. But the flip side of that is that we lose out on resilience in a crisis. Mm -hmm. So there has to be found a balance between efficiency and resilience. And what is resilient is local supply chains that are yeah. rooted in local communities where all the hands in the chain are very close together. Mm -hmm. So if we can invest in building and supporting our local supply chains, we are doing a lot of good things at the same time. We're making our own businesses more resilient. Yes, it might seem like it costs more, but if you have to almost think about it in terms of like an insurance policy, you're probably saving money. So we've Absolutely. seen what the, what the consequences are now. And what's more important is by investing in supply chains in our local communities, we are creating jobs. And when we create jobs, we're not only fixing short-term economic problems, which is that massive gaping unemployment hole in our society, Absolutely. we're also creating future sustainable customers for our business. Henry Ford knew that when he paid his workers a higher than average living wage because he knew that his workers prospered, they would be the ones that would actually purchase his own product from him in the future. And they, they would take care of the business. So thank you for sharing that, uh, Bronwyn. I, I think there's, it's just a blessing in disguise because we will strengthen our local e economy and, and supply chain uh, by buying or supporting locals. So thank you for zooming in on that. Uh, now, we started this discussion with uh, touching on, on um, uh, new trends that are redefining or reshaping the business landscape. But let's zoom in for a second on new technologies. What are some of the new technologies you're seeing um, that, that can you know, serve or benefit the SME sector? Um, and again, how will this change or, or redefine the business landscape in, in South Africa? 
Well, I think once again, it comes back to those supply chains and how we're starting to yeah. see technology that has been used to digitize supply chains on a global level sure. now coming very, very local. Yes. So we've seen lots of examples of local startups coming out of the Silicon Cape environment that are investing in creating market making marketplaces to connect local buyers and sellers, even yes. in the informal marketplace. So I think that's quite exciting, that distribution and democratization of tech. And what we've seen now through the crisis is that impetus is there to start using these services and getting involved with these platforms. Mm -hmm. Quite similar to that is coming back also tying that loop again back to that kind capitalism and business empathy thing, as we've seen quite a few businesses banding together to support other businesses that have been particularly badly affected by lockdowns. Mm -hmm. So we've seen marketplaces coming up where consumers can buy vouchers for businesses that are not allowed to trade. Mm -hmm. And to give and sell those as 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 gifts to Absolutely. each other so that yes. they can keep their favorite businesses going as time goes along and that's almost like tying a lot of tech trends together from like the crowdfunding platforms to the digital marketplaces and the platform-based economy and all those things but in a way that's also connecting local economies to each other in a sustainable way we're coming back not just to really kind capitalism or kind businesses, but also into consumers and citizens, particularly those who have disposable income that are lucky enough to belong to a Zoomer class that was able to migrate online without any sort of issues, mm -hmm. to actually think carefully about their consumption and to support the businesses that they want to survive. I know it's not fashion per se, but it's been quite encouraging to watch how wealthier consumers are supporting the restaurants that they like to sit at, you know, through the period, Absolutely. actually giving them money and paying towards keeping their employees paid during, during a complete lockdown where the restaurants were unable to do wow. that. Wow. And it's quite encouraging to see how when we start investing in our local communities, it makes us all stronger from all different perspectives. Ah, oh, that's incredible. I think, I think, and, and, and this is something we're hearing is, in fact, from each of our speakers uh, that we've been hearing from over the past few weeks is that now more than ever, the, the country's got to come together and different stakeholders has got to come together. And, and I think that really speaks to uh, the heart of the country because the, you know, the guy who, who loved a restaurant suddenly says, how can I support uh, the owner to keep their doors open? So, so, so thank you for pointing that out. Now, uh, I'm going to go off topics uh, just a little bit for a second, uh, Bronwyn. Uh, I was very interested by one of your uh, recent uh, uh, talks that you hosted or one of your recent articles on the second wave of disruption. Give us quickly some insight on this um, and what is the second wave of disruption? Okay, so disruption is one of those terrible buzzword management speak type words. Yeah. When you refer to disruption, there was a lot of talk about this around about 10 years ago. In fact, the last time we were in a crisis, around yes. about 2008-ish, we were just starting to feel the effects of all these new technologies that came around in the world at the same time as we had an economic crisis. There's quite mm. a big parallel to what's happening now. <laughs> so just to go back to that first wave, that first wave was really when social media took over everything and we all became our own publishers and desktop computers went everywhere and the internet got switched on. Yes. So I mean, like I feel quite <laughs> old now, but even when I was in university, like the internet was kind of a new thing and people yeah. had to like access it at the student center and didn't have Wi-Fi at home. <laughs> you know, we forget how fast these things have changed. Absolutely. That was really 10 years ago, mm -hmm. but that was really the first wave when technology and publishing power was pushed out to everyone's hands. And then we got clucked at the same time <laughs> for yeah. that 2000 yeah. recession. 
So that was the first wave of disruption. And the recession kickstarted a lot of that technology to get the ball rolling. And we see exactly the same thing now with the second wave. Now, the second wave has also been variously described as being the fourth industrial revolution and all of those things. Mm -hmm. It's really the same thing, but this yeah. is now the next advent, the next bucket of technology that's changing a lot of things at the same time. We can sort of form sort of four horsemen of the four, four IR. Yes. So we look at virtual and extra reality, and we can see how that's been accelerated by COVID, by lockdown, and people looking for entertainment and new mm. ways to connect with their staff and their colleagues online. Yeah. That'll be the first one. The second one would be automation. That'll be both robotics mm. and algorithms. So anything that automates the way a task, I know I spoke a little bit about that earlier with that whole value adding, value yes. extracting point of view. The third one would be the Internet of Things, and I'd bucket blockchain in with that too, because what the Internet of Things is doing is it's digitizing either imaginary things or physical things and creating value out of that. Mm -hmm. And the fourth one ties in very closely to that, that's big data. So big data is collected from the Internet of Things, and then it's made intelligent by the automation sector mm -hmm. of those sort of four IR technologies. And all these technologies, we can find lots and lots of examples, but I won't go through that now because I don't know how relevant <laughs> yes. it is with the time frame we've got, have been accelerated by being in lockdowns and they are accelerating automation and the yes. adoption thereof. And they're also being sped up due to economic constraints. So obviously, mm -hmm. the more you can automate during an economic downturn, the less you have to pay expensive human hands. Absolutely. And at the same time, that kickstarts more innovation because all those displaced human hands have to find new ways to build value in the new marketplace. So you get these mm -hmm. sort of vicious virtuous cycles going on at the same time, driving progress forward. Uh, absolutely. I know in our earlier discussion with business optimization systems, we spoke uh, intensively on um, on automating or how important that is. And, and so we've given quite a bit of advice to SME owners. But I want to do this for a second. I want to just take this down a few notches. So we've spoken about new technologies. We've spoken about new trends. We're seeing new industries emerge. Um, but with all of that said, and I know much of this can be very overwhelming to SME business owners who really just wants to create awesome stuff and take it to market and, you know, and build profitable businesses. But in light of all these new you know, technologies and industries, et cetera, et cetera, um, business owners are forced to learn new skills. Let's talk about the basic skills that you, uh, that you advise business owners prioritize now. Well, you need to learn digital literacy and at the same time you need to learn digital hygiene which i think goes mm -hmm. hand in hand with learning all the social distancing physical hygiene <laughs> skills that we're having to yeah. learn and this is because the more we digitize our businesses the more vulnerable we are to a lot of security issues yes. so it's a good time as we're learning how to wash our hands properly for a minute on each side we should also be learning how to make sure our passwords are set up correctly and when we're communicating with our clients that we're not going to get Zoom bombed like some of our politicians have by some, you know, X-rated adult content <laughs> yes. at the wrong time. <laughs> you know, it's a good time to learn those habits right now. But I suppose That's if you great. are SME, the most important thing you can do right now is to learn the digital things that are essentially giving you free access to your mm -hmm. customers and to learn how to optimize all that free stuff that is available to us thanks to all those 4IR technologies and to learn how to exploit that for ourselves without being exploited.
So I think a lot of small business owners struggle with things like social media because it's quite easy to get conned by social media companies who say they're going to solve all your problems when quite frankly, you know, the Google AdWords sort of algorithm can do all that for you for free (laughs) right now. So I would really encourage you are a small business learn how to do these things for yourself you will learn so much out of the process and you will see how much money you're wasting hiring someone else to perform those tasks Mm -hmm. that you could be doing yourself once again coming back to cutting the fats out and making sure you're not paying costs but you're only paying for things that are adding value if you are engaging services of people are going to help you with sales and marketing ask them what sort of skin they're prepared to put in the game. You know, as far as I'm concerned, if you're working with an online sort of, you know, someone's going to run your AdWords for you, you have to say like, how about I pay you X percent of the sales you bring in rather than paying you a flat rate yes, retainer. Yes. And this is about being smart about business. If the guy or girl is confident about their work, they will have no problem doing that because mm-hmm. they know that they're going to get a commission for every sale they make. Fantastic. Same thing with working with influencers. If the influencer wants cash up front, say, no, you know what? I'm happy to pay you what you want, but here's a code. Here's a QR code. Every time one of your followers buys my product, I'll give you an amazing fat check out of that. That's win-win marketing. That's value adding. So I think look for those careful things. We in very tight economic constraints. We don't want to be wasting money. We need to be very, very careful that every rand we spend is a rand that we're going to get back plus a little bit more. Oh, that's incredible. I think that's the most most profound advice I've, I've heard all day. And really, it will benefit. It's a win-win for everyone. It will benefit uh, just about just on every level of, of the industry, every service provider. Um, I'm going to take that as my lesson for the day. I think I think that's just really a profound insight. Uh, before I let you go, Bronwyn, what has been the biggest piece of advice you've received as a businesswoman? And what is the biggest piece of advice you're giving uh, to our startup owners and entrepreneurs during uh, this time? Well, the best advice that I was I was given was to really be your own mentor, you know, so you've got to actually make your own way in this world. You can't follow someone else's path to success. And I think that served me well because of the sort of role that I'm doing. There's no one that quite does what I do. And if I try to follow someone else's footsteps, I don't know, I probably would be working still in marketing today, you know, <laughs> wouldn't be having quite as much fun as I'm having with you this afternoon. And my biggest advice to business owners, once again, come back to are you adding value or are you trying to extract value and if you're adding value you're going to multiply your success going forward oh absolutely phenomenal we've discussed uh, new trends new technologies new industries uh, new skills that uh, business owners need to acquire and i think the big lesson this afternoon is that now more than ever we need to look at win-win relationships um, across uh, sectors and it's important that we go lean and cut cost wherever we can uh, it, it is a bronwyn williams a partner at uh, flux trends now for more information on flux trends and the incredible services they offer hop on over to www.fluxtrends.com co.za and for more of the exciting projects or programs brought to you by the Cape Town Fashion Council ctfc.co.za Bronwyn Williams thank you so so much for your insight your inputs and your advice this afternoon thank you so much for inviting me thank you very much Bronwyn until next time continue to journey with us as we bring you leading voices across sectors in the industry and again uh, pioneer the way uh, to the future as we zoom in on what it takes to grow and reboot South Africa's fashion economy. Until next time, take care. I'm your host, Colin Donsko. 